Oh, it's Friday. Second down here on ESPN Radio. Christian Gokel alongside PJ Zuko. Got a whole lot to dive into. Uh, the most spoiled storyline of all time in college football finally came uh, to a head yesterday. A little bit after uh, we got off the show, so we'll dive into that. Also, I don't want to say fallout, but, you know, some more thoughts from yesterday's I don't want to like give it too much credit by like calling it like boxing match, slap fight. Yesterday, yeah. yesterday's coach's slap fight. That's that's good. Uh, it, we got some more to dive into off of that. I've got something for college football boosters, so we got a lot to dive into today. But let's yeah, let's start there with Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. It's been the story uh, around sports really, which is interesting <laughs> because we're in the middle of the conference finals for the NBA. Yep, we're starting OTAs. For NFL teams, which we're going to talk a little quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons uh, coming up here in a little while. But it is interesting that regardless of your scope, right, regardless of whether you're talking about entertainment, fashion, movies, right, books, or football, everyone loves drama. They hop on them and so they flock to it. Yeah. As of Monday... Will anyone still be talking about this? No. Hope not. No. Oh, we will be. But will <laughs> yeah. anyone else still be talking about this? No. But while it's the hot topic du jour and it's two people slapping each other in public, or as one SEC assistant, uh, according to Bruce Feldman, said, two guys calling each other's wives fat. Yeah. Like, it's it's fun to talk about. And you get everybody's opinion coming in. Don't give a rip, really, about college football. Or... I. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but they just, they don't talk about it a whole lot. Yeah, right. Right? Like, probably spent more time talking about Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher yesterday than they did, like, recapping the national championship. True. Very but true. it's fun to talk about these things because it's drama. Right? And so, we're going to try to stick to the nitty-gritty of actually what happened. And I think something that got missed yesterday, and hell, we missed it too, just talking about the verbal sparring going on between those two guys, is... And I don't want this to come out off as the Nick Saban defense because it is absolutely not. But I think it's fair to say, and Nick Saban has since come out and apologized for singling teams out, but I think it's fair to say Nick Saban was trying to make a point yesterday. And we did talk about this a little bit, how he will yeah. be the person comfortable enough in his coaching security to come out and say some of these things. Mm -hmm. Like Nick Saban's like, I can come out and question a lot of things and still get the recruits just because it's what we do. But I think the context of the situation and who he was talking to matters. Think about what Nick Saban said. He said, Texas A&M bought all their recruits. And then he would go on to say, we don't do that, but if it keeps going that way, we're going to have to. PJ, who is he saying that to? Uh, boosters, right? A room full of boosters. Yeah. That was a alarm bell. That was a preemptive strike to his booster saying, listen, I know you guys cut us a lot of checks, and I know when and if we need a new facility, I want new helmets, anything I want, you guys will take care of. We're going to have to start bumping that up a little bit mm -hmm. if you want to keep being this team. I think it was a preemptive strike from Nick Saban to his boosters that has now turned into a public slapping match. <laughs> Yeah. Right? With Jimbo Fisher. Yeah. Other thing I wanted to say off of this is, I think if you go back and listen to it and watch it again, I don't think Nick Saban 
was saying they were cheating. And I think that's why he tried to call Jimbo. Right. I think when he's saying they bought all their players is inside the rules of name, image, and likeness now, they could tell their players, here's how much money you're going to earn if you come here. Boom. You're on the team. And all of a sudden, we have a the number one overall player in the country going to an FCS school. Yep. And so I wanted to kind of dive into some of the things that have been said uh, since we got off the show yesterday. Uh, the first thing is I want to start with Deion Sanders. And I want to pull up the exact quote from him because it just made me shake my head. Uh, he said, ain't nobody getting no million and a half. How am I supposed to coach a guy that makes more than me? So let's start with the first part of that. Nobody's getting a million and a half. Maybe not from Jackson State, right? And if that's all he has to say, that's all he has to say, right? Jackson State probably isn't dropping a seven-figure deal for one player, right? Very but true. if you go to Travis Hunter, the, the player that everyone is implying Nick Saban was talking about, right? The number one overall player in the country last year out of Collins Hill uh, in Lawrenceville, Georgia, right? Amazing wide receiver, amazing defensive back. If he goes to Alabama or Georgia or any of the other big-time schools, probably defensive back. But the number one player in the country, mm-hmm. amazing talent. Is it a coincidence that in the first year that name, image, and likeness has an impact on recruiting, the number one player in the country goes to an FCS school? Right. Yeah, I don't think that's a coincidence. I, I, I Dion. I appreciate what you're saying. And if somebody said, you paid him a million and a half dollars to come here, I think it's fair to come out and say, yeah, uh, no, we did not do that. But if you go look on Travis Hunter's Instagram and scroll about three pictures down, it's him with a sponsored post from Academy Sports on a boat fishing with who? (laughs) Deion Sanders. One Deion Sanders. What? Hey, nothing to do with it. Which... But it's just like, I think this is where everybody's at with Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher and Deion Sanders is like, come on. We're not stupid. Right. Right. We're not completely oblivious. And when Nick Saban says, no, we've never done anything like that. You're like, like Nick Saban, have you never personally gone and dropped a bag at somebody's house? I would, I would believe that's probably true. I would believe that (laughs) because he's smarter than that. I would believe that. (laughs) Or have you ever like been caught on a camera or a, on a recorder like Rush Probst was, the old Valdosta coach saying, I need $10,000 in the desk drawer at all times for funny money? Probably not. But I think it's implied inside of big-time college football, inside of their boosters, that a coach can put down. and They don't even have to put it down on writing. You can see, go to any recruiting board and see these are the recruits that are being targeted. Yeah. Right? And all of a sudden – those boosters who love to spend money on this, they're dropping money where they need to to get these players to come there. And that's how it used to be. Now it's through collectives and name, image, and likeness. So it's just what used to happen is happening out in the light now. Yeah. But at the same time, you have the richest school in the country in Texas A&M. That oil money, I mean, I don't know if you guys checked the last time you went out to put gas in your car. Pretty sure we all know, yeah. Yeah, they ain't doing, they ain't hurting for cash out there. Not at all. At Kyle Field at Texas A&M, right? They're not hurting for cash. Yeah. Is it a coincidence, like, just like with Travis Hunter, the first year NIL is a thing that he's going to an HBCU that that same year, Texas A&M, an eight and four team, a team that's kind of been eh, seven, eight, nine, ten in recruiting rankings, is number one all time ever 
with their recruiting <laughs> class? Doesn't seem like a coincidence. Is that to a me. coincidence? No, no yeah. but it's like we're stupid. So you guys are just gonna sit there. Jimbo Fisher's gonna fake cry during a press conference and talk about the seventeen year old kids, man. Come on. Do you think that like like you said, that this is one of the biggest things that has, has just rattled my mind throughout this whole process. Is like like you said, everything that's kind of been in the dark over the past forever in college football is now kind of coming out in in the light and is happening in the light because it's not the schools or the coaches giving these players deals. It's boosters. It's organizations. It's business, well, it's businesses, it's things like that. Coaches. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, sure. But do you think that maybe like just some of these college football coaches have gotten so used to defending themselves against, well, you're playing this player, you're paying this player, blah, blah, yeah. blah. They're just used to it now. Yeah, they don't they're, know they're to just, accept that, like, it's, oh, it's wait, like a subconscious. Okay yeah, it's like a subconscious almost. Like, oh, he said we bought our players. Yeah. I got to defend I, myself. He thinks we're cheating. Yeah, if you're Jimbo he Fisher, never said you were cheating. No, but if you're Jimbo Fisher, you're like, hell yeah, we did. <laughs> All our players are making money. Well, that's my like, uh, uh, Flip it around. They like, literally, that thing? they were proud of it on signing day. Yeah. They they put it out on like all no, social media, no, didn't even, they? But even on signing day, Jimbo Fisher came out and was like, "We just did it old fashioned way. We have a great recruiting staff. We have a great coaches. We do great things here at Texas A and M, and that's why players want to come play for us. And also, all our players have deals. Yeah, but no, yeah. I mean you're right, you're right. But it's like, <laughs> I don't know. Again, it's, it's like weird. it's not like this is illegal. By any means, and it and it won't no. be until we get some sort of parameters, which are, again. Okay, so pause right because I, yeah. I do want to dive into that. Yeah, yeah, but for sure. I wanted to continue to Understand. the second part of Deion Sanders' quote. Okay. So again, he says nobody get no million and a half. He goes on to say, "How am I supposed to coach a guy that makes more than me?" And that right there in one question is the mindset in which college football coaches including the quote-unquote players coach Deion Sanders, who's trying to flip everything on his head and change college football, that's where the limit of their scope is right now because mm-hmm. they've never even had to think about that. Right. Ask Bill Belichick if he can coach a player who makes more money than him. Ask Arthur Smith if he can make or if he can coach a player who makes more money than him. They all do. Every single professional coach, which make no mistake about it, college football and college basketball is becoming – Every single coach coaches players who make more money than they do. Yeah. And it's only inside of college athletics now where they're like, oh, that changes the power dynamic on things. It sure as hell does. And and you're going to have to adapt or get run over. It's the truth. It's the truth. Like you said, it's, it's, it's a mindset as well. It, it's, it's something that you have to understand. It, and it's something that NFL, like you said, NFL coaches – have understood forever is just like yeah I'm not I'm not the star of this team right like yeah. I, uh, by any means I'm not you know the end all be all to this team there's people above me when you talk about presidents and and uh, vice presidents whatever uh, GMs of of said teams and the players even have a certain hold a, a certain form of power uh, because of just who they are and the money they make all that kind of thing but it doesn't matter. Because I'm here to coach, and I'm here to win games, I'm here to win a Super Bowl. The NFL, but, okay, I want to take a break, because this is leading us into our next conversation, yeah, which is, my fault. It's, no, it's, no it's, <laughs> it's not fair to compare college athletics, I'm going to let the, the listeners stew on this during the break. We're trying to conceptualize what this is supposed to look like. 
We're trying to figure out what's wrong. How do you fix it? Where can we even this out? If somebody's cheating, how do we make it so that there are rules and there's there's actually proof that they are cheating? Or are they actually cheating? Are they just following the rules and you don't like it, right? There's so many questions. And so what do we do? The human thing to do is compare it to other things that are like it and try to figure out, okay, what are they doing right? How do they do it? The reality is you can't compare college athletics to any other sport in the world because there's nothing like it. True. There's nothing like this anywhere else in the world. Every comparison you try to draw, there is a structural foundational difference between that and the way college athletics operates. Stew on that. We're going to talk about it when we come back. Also, Jordan Addison News uh, to dive into as well. My man got broke off. We'll dive into that. And then, I, like I said, I got something for boosters. So stick around. If you want to make your voice heard, 912-342-7184. Give us your thoughts on everything happening in the world of college athletics. Or if you want to talk about something else, let's talk about something else. 912-342-7184. Uh, also, you can always reach out to us at ESPN Coastal on Twitter as well. This is Second Down on ESPN Radio. We'll be back after this. Second Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Two different locations in Savannah to take care of all of your uniform needs. All right, PJ, we mentioned it. We were hopping back in to the conversation about where college athletics is headed and how you can kind of wrap your mind around it. So I gave everybody the break to think about it. I know we all have TikTok brain now, so probably thought about it for about six seconds before you moved on to the next thing. But we got some good commercials too, so I mean, they might have gotten Very true. distracted yeah, yeah. by those. But that being said, <clears throat> when you try to frame how you th- see things going, what's the easiest thing to do? Uh, let's just stick with college football because college athletics as a whole is a gigantic conversation. When we stick with college football, right, the easiest thing to do is say, if it's going to become a professional sport, how do you compare it and regulate it like other professional sports? Let's just go through some of them because I think the most similar sport to college football is European soccer. Just how they deal with acquiring their talent. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because you talk about other professional sports, there's drafts, right? Mm-hmm. Talk about European soccer, it's find a kid, bring him in, develop him, and eventually he gets a spot, if he's good enough, on your top team, right? A lot of these have academies, right? So like Chelsea, Juventus, Real Madrid, Barcelona, they all have academies where they're schools slash basically boarding schools where you're going to learn how to be a professional soccer player, Right? You acquire them typically by contracts and highest bidder. Is that apples to apples with what happens in college football? No, but it's still you are recruiting these kids to come to your program, Mm -hmm. right? So you can eventually make them either a part of your team or you can use them, this where the professional side comes in, as trade capital to go get somebody big, right? We see this in every sport now. But that being said, NFL, you have a strict regulation on talent acquisition. If you are the worst team in football out of 32, there's no regulation or relegation, I should say. There's regulation, no relegation. You get the number one overall pick. And so you get a chance to grab what you deem to be 
the best player available to improve your team. And theoretically, if you acquire enough of those, eventually the fulcrum will come back the other way. You've had enough of those top picks that you should start being good and there should be consistent parity inside the NFL, which I'd say for the most part they do a good job of, right? The Bengals kind of eh, going down, going down, get a bunch of top picks, top picks, top picks in the Super Bowl last year. Yep. Right? <clears throat> Only teams that consistently don't seem to be able to do that are like the Jaguars. They make their own mistakes. Correct. But and that's, the, that's organizational. The that's not, not the Yeah, that's not yeah. a problem with the NFL. So that's yeah. how you acquire talent is based off of your previous record, you get first pickings of a draft pool. Mm-hmm. Right now, once you go through that, it's free reign to go out and talk to undrafted free agents. And that goes to the highest bidder. But for the most part, those aren't the top guys that you're going after. Right. That's just we need to fill some spots, take a flyer on a guy. Mm-hmm. Right. We're talking about top talent acquisition. Major League Baseball has a couple different ways. They have the draft, which is for American players, but then they have the international market, which is where things get very murky and is very similar to college football, where you have scouts for every single Major League Baseball team that are camped out throughout South America looking for the next great players, and then the team comes through and offers them contracts to come up and be a part of the minor league team, right? A few million dollars, you and family can transition from wherever you're living to America, be a part of our program, and we'll develop you up, right? Similar, again, to European soccer. So when you're talking about college athletics, and specifically college football, there's nowhere to base this off of, right? You have a player that you're going to go out there, similar to European soccer and similar to the the international market for major league baseball and you're going to offer them a chance to come play with you right you can't technically pay them so that's one spot where it's different but here's where i think the biggest difference comes in once i sign you if i'm a european club you're under contract with me and i control your rights to play the sport mm-hmm. in exchange for money <laughs> baseball players I'm going to sign you to a two, three-year deal, developmental deal for a few million dollars, but you can't decide you don't like being a Tampa Bay Ray after four weeks and go to the Yankees. Right. Right? Yep. You are under contract. You get to move on. Every other sport outside of college athletics, and college is the key word there, college athletics, they have contracts to which you have to uphold and the team controls. And so what I keep hearing over and over again is it's so good that the power is going back to the players. It's so good that the power is going back to the players. It's so good that the power is going back to the players. That's true. And I agree that players should be making money through name, image, and likeness. If you want to have a conversation about paying players uh, from the money that the schools earn, we can certainly have a conversation about that as well. But eventually you have to have a sport. Like think about the word sport. It's sporting. There's competition, right? Eventually you have to have a sport. And so you can't, I keep hearing the comparison to, if you wanted to quit your job right now and go somewhere else, you could. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's apples to oranges. Yep. This isn't a sport. Exactly. Right? This isn't a sport. I don't have a contract that prevents me from doing that. Now, there are a lot of businesses that do have non-compete contracts and all that, but I don't have a contract that prevents me from doing that. And I'm not basing, I'm not winning championships based off this. Right? We're fighting for listeners. Yeah. And we're fighting for entertainment. And then if you're in a restaurant employee, you can leave and go to another restaurant, but it's just it's about you making money, mm-hmm. right? There's no 
wins or losses, right? There's no competitions exactly. in the sporting sense, right? There's a huge difference between athletic professionalism and nine-to-five jobs. And so I want to throw that argument out the window. So when we're trying to compare college sports and how this works to anything, there's no way to compare it, and there's no guidelines. And so you're starting from scratch, and that's why I think it's very apt to describe this as the wild, wild west, because it is. It's the beginning of the internet, (laughs) right? You've never seen anything like it before, so who the hell knows what to do with it? Right. And there's going to be people and companies and teams that figure it out before you do, and they're going to have the competitive edge. Just figure it out, and somehow they right. do it really, really well. And they, they didn't do anything wrong. They just figured it out. Yeah. And that's fine. And so that, I believe, is what Nick Saban was kind of saying is more so than taking a shot at Texas A&M, he was sending a signal to his boosters yeah. that this is the new world we live in. Mm-hmm. Now, I believe there has to be some kind of regulation. And I'm not saying on how much money players can earn. I'm not saying on how players can earn their money. And actually, the NCAA is starting to... It's interesting in the way the order that they're doing it, but they're, I think, an organization that a lot of people thought was going to go out quietly. And I think they're starting to show their teeth a little bit. Yeah. They're not just going to walk away from this. Right. It's going to be ripped from their hands if it goes away. And they're starting to come out with rules now, which I think is going to appease a lot of the decision makers inside of college athletics, which is... If tampering is proven and it's proven that you broke rules, they're changing the punishment structure. And it's going towards administrators and coaches now and not players. Because for the longest time, what happens if your school cheats? Automatically uh, bowl games. Yep. Bowl games taken away. Scholarships. Scholarships. Right. You punish who? Yeah. You punish the players. Right. You're not, if the coach is cheating, he's not losing salary unless he gets fired. Right, If your school goes on a suspension, coaches wasn't getting punished. Right, NCAA is switching that now to where it's going to be monetary fines for head coaches and suspensions and monetary fines to the administration. No punishment towards the school itself. So if one Good. out of 85 scholarship yeah. players, it's proven that you acquired him through cheating. All 84 of the other guys can continue to play into the postseason. Coach can't, you can't. Makes sense. I, I think that's an interesting way in a way that's kind of outside the box that we hadn't really thought about. And people are saying, okay, well, what if Kevin was saying this? It's like, I don't know, man, that's a slippery slope. Like, can the coach control what these collectives are doing and how they're going after these players? They better. Yeah. They better. Because yep. what the NCAA is saying, and I think their kind of last gasp, kind of cliffhanger moment, is the Bucks going to stop with the head coach. And the easiest way to stop this, I mean, very few other sports – do head coaches carry the same kind of weight that they do in college sports? Because it's just, it's a transient sport, right? Where you have players coming in and out consistently. And the only thing that's consistent is typically the head coach, Mm -hmm. right? It's the reason you have Nike coming out with campaigns where they're misspelling all these words with K in it, right? Because (laughs) coach K was the standard and he was the, while everything keeps moving in the river, he's the tree that's kind of like standing up outside of the water, right? Right. That it's just it's so different from everything else. And I think it's interesting that the NCAA is coming out and saying, we're going to put the onus of controlling this on you. 
right? Versus the NCAA trying to control everything. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Trying to control <laughs> everything. Yeah. They're going to say, it's going to be on you. And to put the fear of God in you, if you screw up, you're suspended and we're taking your money. Yeah. Just very similar to NFL, right? And, uh, and all the other professional ones, coaches get fined. Yeah, very. The coaches. You want to make it, you want to make it suck even more for the coaches and like really jab it to them. Redistribute that money back to players. Right. Coaches oh, fines God. back oh, to players no. or towards scholarships. Yeah. Oh no. That'd be a big problem because then they they'd be making even more money. I mean, um, would that not be the fairest way to do it though? No, I mean, I'm 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 right there with you. Like you said, that's always been one of the biggest issues with with these. Uh, you know, punishments and things like that is it takes away from the team and the players well before it takes away from the people who actually made the mistake or actually yeah. not made the mistake, but actually did any wrongdoing. Um, so uh, I know what you mean. Uh, like you said, uh, we, we hear and I think we support, like head coaches in every sport are, are wild. Man, they got to keep track of so much. They, they have to do so much to, to be able to help, um, you know, their team and everything like that. But that's also like you know what you're getting into when you accept that job. Yeah. And if you're going to – like Jimbo Fisher is a, is a big fan of saying we do everything the right way. Now, I mean, Nick Saban said the same thing, right? We, we do everything the right way. We don't cheat. Like we don't know anything about what's going on with these other places or blah, 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 blah. Well, make sure then. Because I, we're, we're just making sure now that you are doing everything the right way. And if, and if you're not, it's going to come down to you. And it's gonna, yeah. you're you're gonna be the one getting punished. So and, like you said, like if you're not paying attention to these things, and if somehow somehow things are going on without your permission in your own football program, you better make sure you know now, and you better make sure that that anything yeah. anything any wrongdoings or whatever aren't going aren't going on. Because like like you said, like ultimately these are the people that we should hold responsible. I, sure, I believe. Yeah, I do want to hit a couple more things before we go to break yeah. here. Uh, number one, if we talk about regulations, and it, there has to be some. I don't know what they are. If I knew, I'd be making a whole lot more money than I am right now. But there has to be some kind of regulations, not because I believe athletes need to make less money, not that because I believe they shouldn't be paid, not because I believe there's something wrong with NIL. That's not what I'm saying. Every sport has regulations in how players move, and how they're allowed to communicate with other teams. Yep. Right? There has to be something. But because it's the Wild West right now, and there's so many of these collectives out there, I'm not saying they're all bad, but go look into how much money some of these collectives are taking from the deals that they set up for players. They are going to scratch and claw and do everything they can through litigation and social media and just trying to win the publicity battle. Right, they're going to do everything they can to keep it how it is because there's a whole lot of people out there right now, and this isn't, I think, being talked about enough, taking advantage of this and taking advantage of the 17 and 18 year olds that Jimbo Fisher was defending so vehemently yesterday in his press conference. There's grown ass adults out there who are taking advantage, and just like any other situation, when a vacuum opens up, slimy people are going to wake their way into it yep. and try to earn some bucks. So, number one, you're going to hear as the NCAA or whoever it is tries to regulate this, you're going to hear every single vulgarity in the book thrown their way. And it's because it's not going to come from the players. Mm -hmm. It's going to come from sleazebags who are taking advantage of players to make money. Second thing, I said I had something for boosters. 
I, it just I, it occurred to me as we were having this conversation that there's people in this world who love their college football team so much that they're winning, willing to spend six, sometimes seven figures to make sure a, for example, wide receiver goes to their school. Like It's the say-it-out-loud theory, right? <laughs> there is a human being who is giving hundreds of thousands of dollars to a player to make sure they go to their school so they win football games. Crazy. It's <clears throat> not crazy. It's despicable and sociopathic. Did you just say despicable? I said despicable. <laughs> I got my Jimbo... Fisher thesaurus open in front of me, but it's if you are someone and you have spent money on a football player to get them to go to your school so your school can win more football games, you need to reevaluate a lot of things. Yeah. A lot of priorities. Because if you have the disposable income to drop six figures on something, I, brother, I can give you a whole lot of different places where you could help out more positively than getting your team a guy who's maybe going to work out. Right. True. Like, that is just such an insane concept to me. Now, do I understand theoretically why they do it? And to still another Jimbo Fisher word from yesterday, the narcissism that goes into it? Yeah. The reason why these people, for the most part, are doing this is, number one, they love their team. They want to see their team win, and they're willing to do anything they can. But number two is they want to be able to walk into the room and have their coach shake their hand and buddy-buddy with them and rub elbows and be a part of the team. Yep. Like and, It's so gross to me. And it doesn't even like, doesn't it? Well, maybe it does register, to, but, but it's like, I literally bought this. Like you said, I literally bought this experience and friendship, quote-unquote, that I'm envisioning in my head. And they know and the yeah. coach knows if there's no money involved, you're not here right now. Well, and those and like what those people don't yeah. realize is that Coach X doesn't give a rip about you. No. If you weren't dropping that money for him, he doesn't care about you. Stop no, stop giving money and see what happens. Your dollar your dollar sign. Stop giving money and see what happens. Yeah. See if you're still getting those phone calls. Yep. See if you're still going to those dinners. <laughs> right. It's where these videos are coming from. And I understand the quid pro <laughs> I understand the quid pro quo in a lot of it where it's if I do this, then I'll get this. And maybe he'll come speak at my banquet or I can like people who donate money to the athletic fund and it's up front and your name's on a building all of a sudden, right? Or you're listed in the boosters that are the active, fine. I'm talking about somebody who under the table has given money to an athlete for the sole purposes of getting that athlete to go to their school. You need yeah. to reevaluate a lot of things. Yeah. Like, I, I can I understand agree. the legacy donations. That stuff, how much does that have to hurt? Because you know what's happened. How much does it have to suck when you drop that bag on a player and he's gone after a year? True. I think we're going to see a lot of that, too. That's where I think the bubble's going to happen. We're going to yeah. talk about that. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back with more. This is Second Down on ESPN Radio. If you miss any portion of the show, you can check it out on ESPNCoastal.com or wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back after this. The worst kept secret... In college football has finally been revealed. Oh, no. As one Jordan Addison, Blitnikoff winner from Pitt, is now a USC Trojan. After spending the weekend in Los Angeles with Coach Riley, you know, a little Instagram pic of Coach Riley's $10 million house there on the water in LA. Of course. Of course. Choice. 
For sure. I think, yep. those, I think those lawn tr- furniture costs more than where yeah. I live. Got to use that for something. Oh, I mean, oh, hell yeah. That's a, it's, it's pretty, but it's also, you know, crouton time. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, now Jordan Addison is headed out to USC, and reports are uh, that he has a $3.5 million NIL deal in place to head out to Los Angeles, which, <laughs> brother, if that ain't tampering, I don't know what is. So could you say that he was bought by someone to go to USC and so this this is where we're at right now but here I, I don't want to talk about the don't cheating you talk anymore. about those 17 year old kids I, like that I want to talk about football all right can we yeah. talk about football yeah, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying you're the, I'm not saying you're the one who's keeping me from doing this no but I know <laughs> I was asking like the universe can we talk about football yeah let's do it I understand a Belitnikov winner and I understand how important it is to get a wide receiver like that out there absolutely I tweeted this out last night after the news broke. It's going to be the most damn entertaining eight and four football team <laughs> you have ever seen. Yep. Here's the reason why. Do you think Lincoln Riley, if in an honest moment, and I don't know, maybe he just cares about skill position players, but like in an honest moment, if that company had come to him and said, "Hey, we got three point five uh, for Jordan Addison if you want it," brother, I know if that's Kirby Smart, he's saying, "I, I, I shouldn't say this." All right. Take Kirby Smart out of it. I, I don't want to like. I don't want to lump people in. Okay. Okay. If it's me, yeah, I'm looking at them and saying, "Can we split that three ways and go get me three badass defensive linemen?" Right. Yeah. Jordan Addison's awesome. He's gonna touch the ball eight times a game max. True. Maybe get targeted fourteen, and that's a lot. It is fourteen times a game. Touch it eight. If I have three point five million dollars to go get somebody. Brother, split that three ways and get me three starting defensive linemen. Yeah. True. Like it, it could not be truer for another team, too, for, for well, USC. Because think about what they have right now. They got Jordan Addison and Caleb Williams. Mm-hmm. Man, fantastic. Who else? Well, they got But we got Jordan Addison Caleb and Caleb Williams. <laughs> what this tells you, and this is kind of taking a step away from football, is you should have been paying attention to this before. Don't listen to what people say. See, watch what they do is the old adage, yeah, right? Yeah. No one gives a rip about winning. USC didn't hire Lincoln Riley to win. Mm-hmm. They hired Lincoln Riley to be relevant and to bring money in. That's what all of this is about. Clay Helton, you, like Lincoln Riley doesn't know more about football than Clay Helton. Right. But Lincoln Riley is a name. He was groomed by Stoops at Oklahoma. Didn't win bleep while he was there. Right. Right, didn't win. Like he, he won some conference championships. But if you're at Oklahoma yeah. in a weak Big Twelve, you should be winning conference championships. Exactly. Right. But on the national stage, got embarrassed repeatedly. Mm-hmm. They, USC didn't bring in Lincoln Riley to become Alabama or to become Georgia or to come Ohio State. They brought him in for the same reason why an App State, Georgia Southern, jump up from FCS to FBS. Money. Yep. There's a bigger opportunity. For money, so they don't actually care about winning, and it's the same thing with Jordan Addison. The company, and it hasn't been reported who it is, that company doesn't care about USC winning. They care that Jordan Addison is the biggest name in college football right now, and he's a skill position guy, and he can be marketable potentially for re- just the return of investment. And I know that's optimistic thinking from me, and maybe it's just USC putting together a, a slush fund to get. Jordan Addison out there, but if that's the case, I can think of so many different ways you could have spent $3.5 million to make your team actually competitive, but that's the point. They don't actually care. 
Right. They care about eyeballs and how much money they can make from having Caleb Williams, Lincoln Riley, and Jordan Addison. Mm-hmm. It's USC, man. Yeah. I was saying, like, it's it's USC, it's LA, it's it's a lot like, I know it's a different part of the country, obviously, but it's a lot like when I talk about Michigan, right? Yeah. Like, they don't want to win championships, man. And I know they made it to the college football playoff last year or whatever, but they're real happy with 10-2 and and 9-3 and, and three, as long as they're there at the end of the year and they're in the conversation. Yep. USC seems like it's morphed into one of the same things, which is crazy because back when we were growing up, USC, you talk about football programs, it was one of the best football programs in America. But think about how but, they did it is yeah. they were using NIL before NIL was a yeah, thing to true. go get a yeah. Reggie Bush, right? Uh, I mean, basically Jordan, yeah. basically Jordan Addison is coming to USC for the same th- for, for more than what Reggie Bush got, and Reggie Bush had to give back his Heisman, and USC had to give back a national championship. True. Yeah. Right? So it's... And, but it's like you had the star power of a Pete Carroll mm-hmm. at USC, and you had Will Ferrell staying on the sidelines during games, and it was that's what they want is they want the eyeballs. USC is uh, has been right now. Yeah. You get the eyeballs back for the first four or five weeks of the season, and, and then let's see where they're at after that. Yeah. Even then, they're probably going to be in the news if they're, you know, two and three, because then, what, any, any publicity is good publicity, right? Yeah. It's like you said. It's, they care about being relevant. Throughout the season. Yeah. They don't actually care about winning the championship. Right. So it's, and they're spending a whole hell of a lot of money on Lincoln Riley. Spent a lot of money on Caleb Williams. And spent a lot, I'm not saying USC did, but somebody has. Somebody did, yeah. Somebody has to get this team together, and it's for entertainment purposes only. Because that team ain't going to win anything. And this will just go back to the, the basically what this show is founded on, is you don't win games with quarterbacks and wide receivers. Right. You win, certainly games, help, but. you win games with the 10 nasty bleepers on the line of scrimmage. Yeah. That's that's where games are won. Go back and watch the national championship game from this past year. That was a war. <laughs> it was. Now, every single play, there was people just sacrificing their lives. Yep. There's, inside there's of the not, line of scrimmage. There are only a few games in my mind that like depict, everyone always says, in the trenches, right? Yeah. The, the big guys in the trenches, blah, blah, blah. Those were the trenches. Yeah. Those were the definition yeah. of the trenches. Like Mike Ryan, uh, <laughs> the producer for the Dan Lebitard show, said that after the national championship, he was like, more so than like a good game, he was like, that was the most violent game I've ever seen yeah. in my life. Yeah. Because it was just people massacring each other and then blow the whistle, do it again. Yep. So, I mean, that's that's where you win championships. So, like, if I'm Lincoln Riley and I had 3.5 mil to spend on getting some talent in there, I'm splitting that bad boy up and I'm doing everything I can to go get a Jalen Carter. What I know we got to go break. What's a bigger impact? USC if they could get Jalen Carter or USC if they get Jordan Addison? Jalen Carter in a heartbeat. I think like yeah. a, by a long shot. Yeah. But you don't pay defensive linemen 3.5 mil nope. for advertising. And they don't always make it Correct. on like SportsCenter Top 10 and all that good stuff. Correct. Jalen so. Addison will. Or, See which, yeah. Watch which player gets drafted higher in the coming draft. we got more to come here on second down. We'll get you ready for three and out next. This is Second Down on ESPN Radio, and we are presented to you by the Uniform Source. Christian Gokel alongside PJ Zuko wrapping it up here on this Friday edition of Second Down. Getting you ready for three and out with Kevin Thomas and Ben Troop. They're walking you all the way up until 525, where pregame coverage of the Braves at the Marlins starts. And this is setting up for a 17-game or 17-day straight run for the Atlanta Braves. Been a lot of off days. True. Yeah. 
yeah, to start the season been. for the Braves. They started with what, like 14 games, 15 games in a row? And then there's been, there's been a bunch of breaks for the Braves. Now they're going 17 straight days of Braves baseball. You'll hear all the action on your home of the Braves, ESPN Coastal. But P.J., good chance against them old Marlins to turn it around for the Braves. And, and thank goodness, right? Because uh, the past few series have been rough to say the least and, and rough in an annoying way. But like, against good teams. Against yeah. good teams, but like you had hope in both of those series to come home with big wins and then uh, squandered those away. So yep. let's get it back on track. Again, three and out coming up next, leading you into the Braves pregame at 525. First pitch set for 640. We will talk to everyone on Monday.